0: Glad is the right word. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Grateful for the parking lot of the Lord. Glad to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, you would know last month we invited your input into uh, uh, the decision that we are making regarding uh, installing Leo Paris as an elder here. We've received your input, your confirmation, and so we plan on November 15th, that Sunday morning, uh, to install him officially as a pastor here at Covenant Fellowship. So I wanted to share that encouraging update with you and say that we are looking forward to that Sunday. Leo and Missy are such a gift to this church family. I'd like to invite you to please turn with me in God's word to Genesis chapter 44. Genesis 44. And you may notice that that jumps over a few chapters from where we left off in our study of the life of Joseph. What we have in chapters 42 through 45 uh, is, a, is a narrative unit that is one of the greatest stories of forgiveness and relational healing uh, in all of history our, our sermon title is finding forgiveness as Christians we have been forgiven by God we have been reconciled to God and to one another through the blood of Jesus Christ and we are called to be a community of radical forgiveness and grace and I have prayed in preparing for this sermon I have I just want to be able to see my people over here. Um, I've prayed that that this passage would deeply shape our lives, would deeply shape our hearts and our relationships here today. Uh, I'm not going to read all four chapters. Uh, you, I was tempted to, you'd better believe it. but. Um, Some summarizing is needed before we jump into chapter 44. Joseph, you remember, has been made governor of Egypt. Grain has been stored up, a famine has covered the land. So in chapter 42, Joseph's brothers uh, minus Benjamin make their first trip from Canaan to Egypt to buy grain. They come and bow down before Joseph, fulfillment of the dream that he had many years before. Joseph recognizes his brothers they do not recognize him and he does not say who he is he decides to treat them like strangers but he has as we will see a reason for this he in fact in chapter 42 accuses them of being spies he puts them all in prison for three days and demands that they bring their youngest brother Benjamin During this time, the brothers are experiencing a growing sense of their guilt. A sense that the troubles that they are experiencing are because of what they had done to Joseph 22 years earlier. Joseph then keeps Simeon with him as a hostage and the others return to Canaan. Chapter 43, the brothers then return to Egypt a second time, this time with Benjamin and with gifts. And then in chapter 44, Joseph again tests his brothers by uh, filling their sacks with grain and having his silver cup put in Benjamin's sack. And they are sent on their way the next morning, but Joseph's steward will chase them down and say, why have you taken the silver cup? The cup is found in Benjamin's sack and they all return to Egypt and that is where the text that we are reading will pick up. The reason that Joseph has done these things is to test his brothers, to see whether or not they have changed. It's actually brilliant what he's done. Joseph has carefully recreated the same temptation That his brothers experienced previously and had given into when they sold Joseph into slavery. He recreates the situation in which they can betray the favored son who is now Benjamin. All they have to do is abandon Benjamin, lie about it to their father, not care about his feelings and they are free. And so what will they do? We'll start reading in chapter 44 verse 14. This is God's holy and authoritative word. When Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there. They fell before him to the ground. Joseph said to them, what deed is this that you have done? Do you not know that I am a man, that a man like me can indeed practice divination? And Judah said, what shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants, referring not to the cup that was taken, but not taken, but to how they had treated Joseph. God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. But he said, far be it from me that I should do so. Only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. So Joseph says, Benjamin must stay. Then Judah, in one of the great speeches in all of scripture, and the longest recorded speech in Genesis, Then Judah went up to him and said, Oh, my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ears. And let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a younger brother, the child of his old age his brother is dead and he alone is left of his mother's children and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me that I may set my eyes on him. We said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father for if he should leave his father, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, unless your younger brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again. When we went back "'To your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. "'And when our father said, "'Go again, buy us a little food,' "'we said, we cannot go down. "'If our youngest brother goes with us, "'then we will go down, "'for we cannot see the man's face "'unless our youngest brother is with us. "'Then your servant, my father, said to us, "'You know that my wife bore me two sons. "'One left me, and I said, "'Surely he has been torn to pieces.'" And I have never seen him since. If you take this one also from me and harm happens to him, you will bring down my gray hairs in evil to Sheol. Now therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then, as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die, and your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant became a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, if I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord. And let the boy go back with his brothers, for how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. Then Joseph, and you remember up to this point, He had not revealed himself. There were several moments where he was overcome with emotion and talking to the brothers in the previous chapters. And he had turned away or left the room and wept and washed his face and come back. They still do not know who this man is. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine And now your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. And then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. May God bless the preaching of his word. This passage that we have just read is one of the most glorious, in some ways, the emotional climax of the story of Joseph in which forgiveness is so beautifully, so gloriously, so powerfully extended In a situation that must have been so difficult for joseph because of the ways he had been so greatly wronged i want to talk today and have us consider this theme of forgiveness c.s lewis once said everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive i think that's the truth we love the idea of forgiveness up to the point that I need to actually exercise forgiveness toward others. The reality is we all have something to forgive and we all stand in need of forgiveness because we all sin in many ways. Joseph was a victim of his brother's hatred, cruelty, and abuse, and it is because he was so greatly sinned against that we have so much to learn from his example of forgiveness. Corrie ten Boom spent time in a Nazi concentration camp during the Holocaust. You may know her story. Many years later, after she was free, she gave a teaching on forgiveness. And after that teaching, she saw a man working his way toward her through the crowd. It was a man who was one of the most cruel guards at the concentration camp she had been at. And now this man was... In front of her, which triggered awful memories for Corey. The man said, That was a wonderful message. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. He did not remember her, she remembered him. He said, You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there. But since that time I've become a Christian and have asked God to forgive me for the terrible things I've done. I know God has forgiven me, and I hope you can as well. Will you forgive me? And he extends his hand. Corey said that it was the most difficult thing she ever had to do. That moment. She knew God commands forgiveness, and she knew that a failure to forgive would be ruinous to her soul. She had worked with many victims of Nazi brutality and abuse, she knew that those who were able to forgive were able to rebuild their lives, and she saw that those who nursed bitterness remained invalids. She says, I stood there with coldness, clutching my heart, and she prayed, Jesus, help me. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner, She says, I have never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Forgiveness, genuine forgiveness, is one of the most challenging aspects of the Christian life. And part of the reason for that is that we are so skilled at justifying our bitterness... We're skilled at justifying our lack of compassion, our desire for revenge, our emotional and relational withdrawal. And we've seen it in the lives of others and perhaps known it in our own lives. How bitterness, how an unforgiving spirit has broken marriages and families and has for all of us led to relationships that are marked by tension and conflict rather than peace. God doesn't promise reconciliation in all of our relationships. He does command us to live at peace so far as it depends on us. And there is not a week that goes by in which we do not stand in need of receiving and extending forgiveness. We all sin against others and hurt others. And we are all sinned against and hurt by others. In a relationship in my own life, this week I needed to confess my own sin and repent of things that contributed to creating difficulties and hurt. My pride, my stubbornness, my failures in patience and in gentleness. Friends, is there a a strained relationship in which you need to humble yourself? In which you need to repent of sin and demonstrate change or perhaps you find yourself today in need of God's help to supernaturally miraculously extend forgiveness to someone else for the wrongs done against you There's a lot of misunderstanding among Christians about the nature of forgiveness. Some people think that forgiving means forgetting about everything or acting like those wrongs didn't happen. That is certainly not the case. Some people think that forgiveness always requires seeking to reestablish a relationship even if the offending party has not repented. This is where it's so important for us to have a biblical theology, a biblical understanding of forgiveness. Forgiveness is used in scripture and sometimes people debate over the extent to which forgiveness is dependent upon repentance in the offender. The reality is scripture uses forgiveness in both of these ways, in two different ways. And John Lennox in his book on Joseph is very helpful on this point. There is the inward letting go that means we're not gonna harbor resentment. Um, We're not going to let an unforgiving spirit settle into our soul. That is forgiveness. There is also the public outward letting go that pardons the offender, that restores a relationship. And that distinction is important. We can truly forgive by asking God to help our hearts to let go of wrongs done to us rather than harboring bitterness and resentment and having those wrongs done to us destroy us. Pray that God works that in your heart that you experience that forgiveness in your heart today. But then forgiveness in the sense of outward pardon and restored trust, that's different. That kind of forgiveness in some cases is often a much longer road and requires confession and repentance in the offending party. God does not forgive people without their repentance. And in our relationships, pardoning the guilt of the offender requires repentance and so Martin Luther uh, summarizes this nicely he says there are two kinds of sin one is confessed and this no one should leave unforgiven the other kind is defended defended sin he says and this no one can forgive for it refuses either to be counted as sin or to accept forgiveness And so as it relates to the story of Joseph, Gordon Wenham in his commentary says this, full forgiveness and reconciliation only become possible after Judah has demonstrated a sincere repentance in his words and in his willingness to take Benjamin's place. And that is in this narrative, and I encourage you to read the chapters that we didn't get to read earlier, read this narrative, one of the major themes you see is that Joseph is testing in many different ways. What is he doing? He's testing the transformation that God has worked in his brothers. And as you read this, you see that change. You see they take responsibility. You see they are honest. They, they love each other. They have a genuine godly guilt over their sin. They have an awareness of God. And you see it not only in their words, because talk can be cheap, you see it in their actions, refusing to abandon Benjamin, refusing to grieve their father. They have been radically transformed. And I want to pause there and say, because these are the same ruthless brothers who had been guilty of actual murder, who had mistreated Joseph by throwing him in a pit, Ruthlessly went on eating a meal, ignoring his cries for help, and sold him into slavery. These same brothers are now the ones who have been radically changed by the grace of God. Friends, never underestimate what the grace of God can do in the lives of others. These these brothers, once so full of hatred, had now learned to love. And the scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The sins of your past don't need to continue in your life. And we dare not give up on others. Judah, Judah, once so sinful, so selfish, now beautifully, shows a willingness to sacrifice and substitute himself for another, for Benjamin. Which so beautifully points forward to the one who would come from the tribe of Judah. Who would sacrifice and substitute himself on the cross for the sins of his people. Following Judah's powerful speech... Joseph cannot contain himself. He sends out everyone but his brothers. He weeps aloud, everyone in the house hears it. I am your brother, it's me, Joseph. And Joseph finds the power to forgive in knowing the God of all grace, certainly in knowing the forgiveness he himself had experienced from God and in knowing God's good and sovereign plan for the salvation of many, which he explains and comforts the brothers with in chapter 45. And when I look at this remarkable example of forgiveness, I cannot help but to pray for my own heart and life, and for us as a church family, because this is the the kind of people that God has called us to be here at Covenant Fellowship. Forgiveness is such a precious grace that God intends to have deeply mark our lives. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Brothers and sisters, let us be. A community of compassion. Let us be a family of forgiveness. Let us shine as lights in a fractured world. What makes us distinct? It is the refusal to allow bitterness, resentment, grudges, and apathy and lovelessness. Mark our relationships. Let's resolve today that we will be a people who forgive one another. That we will love with a love that covers a multitude of sins. That we will be a community of grace. And here's the thing, we not only forgive others, we acknowledge our own need to be forgiven. In chapters like this, and I've said this earlier, We see ourselves most clearly not in Joseph, who extends forgiveness, but in the brothers who have sinned against God and others and who themselves need to receive forgiveness. We too need to experience the grace of knowing and acknowledging our guilt. The world says don't feel guilt, don't experience guilt. Here's how to deal with with your guilt and avoid guilt the problem is we are guilty and so experiencing and feeling guilt is often in keeping with the reality of the situation guilt is a grace When we experience godly remorse for wrongs we have done, this is the Spirit of God working in our lives, humbling us, acknowledging our need for the salvation that comes only through Christ Jesus. We need today to acknowledge our sin, to acknowledge the unkind words and actions that we've demonstrated toward others. Our selfishness. Our anger. Our emotional withdrawal from others. Our unforgiving spirit. All of those are sins against a holy God that deserve his righteous judgment. There is no blame shifting we repent and say i am a sinner who has not loved god and others as i ought i am guilty and i must look to christ alone for forgiveness and for salvation you see this narrative is intended to drive us to christ just as it was said earlier and in all the land go to joseph who do we go to we go to christ Because just as God sent Joseph to preserve the lives of many, so God sent Jesus to be our life and to rescue us from sin and death. When I look at Joseph, I don't see myself. Joseph graciously spares the lives of his brothers when he could have had revenge. Some people look at the, oh my, three days in in prison was nothing compared to what Joseph had been through. God used that time for the brothers to reflect on what they had done. And Joseph generously provides for them. He gives them food, even on the one trip, the money that they gave. He puts the money back into their bags, all as acts of love. And then perhaps most beautifully of all, is the way that he weeps over them with such a tender heart, so full of affection. This is no begrudging forgiveness. He not only forgives his brothers, his heart toward them is tender, and he speaks comforting words to them in their guilt. You cannot read a passage like this and not see the heart of Christ, a picture of Jesus our Savior. We did not know Christ. We sinned against him, we have come to acknowledge the unbearable guilt of our many sins. But Christ has come to us, and Christ has made himself known to us, and Christ has revealed himself to us. He has revealed his heart to us. He has declared that all of our sins, that all of our guilt is removed. He has comforted us, our fearful, trembling hearts, as we stand before him. He comforts us with tenderness, with sympathy, with love. He, he reminds us that we have been loved with an everlasting love. He is the one, just as Joseph said, come near to his brothers. He has said, come near to us. And he has loved us with a love that will never leave us. This is the heart of Christ for you. Overflowing with compassion, overflowing with, with personal compassion and love for each one of us individually this is your savior read this narrative and see this is the heart of christ for me and realize there is none like him and in doing so in seeing that forgiveness that christ has extended even to us there we will find the power there we will find the strength and the grace to be a people Who walk in forgiveness to others. See, the forgiveness we extend to others has a source. It is the overflow of divine forgiveness that has come to us in our many sins. God is helping you through the power of His Spirit, even today, to be a person either who acknowledges your guilt, if you have not done so yet, if you're an unbeliever who has not realized that you have sinned grievously against the Holy God, come to Christ for forgiveness, for grace. Trust in his finished work on the cross that you might live eternally and not experience the judgment you deserve. And if you are looking for the grace to be able to forgive others, come to Christ. Remember the forgiveness you have received. And in that experience, you will be empowered to forgive others. Let me close with another remarkable story of forgiveness Uh, it's a story that displays the power of grace and should inspire us to forgive whether the offense is equally large or whether it is much smaller Georgiana is the mother of three daughters and in 2011 their youngest daughter bumped her head on the floor in their house and x-rays revealed that there was a a skull fracture uh, but it seemed clear that there were no other complications they returned back home after being uh, at, at the hospital A week later, Georgiana was home with her daughters, and police detectives and child protective services arrived. They came to investigate a report of severe child abuse, which their new doctor had made based only off of the x-ray and nothing more. There was no evidence of abuse, but the family was torn apart for nine months. Georgiana and her husband, Ted, were not allowed to live with their daughters, so the parents moved out and were only allowed supervised visitation. And Georgiana says, and this story is told in in, uh, Tim Keller's book on suffering. Georgiana says, I will never forget the first night away from our daughters. I was raging, crying out to God. And she says that in the months that followed there was an unbearable emotional assault on their family as well as a massive financial burden because of the legal defense, because there were medical bills. Uh, Georgiana uh, wasn't allowed to return to work because she works with children. Well, finally the trial came and on the fourth day, the judge, to the surprise of all, dismissed the entire case as unfounded. And Georgiana says the most powerful facilitation to our recovery, you imagine going through something like that, I simply cannot. The most powerful facilitation to our recovery has been forgiveness. I think injustice is very difficult to forgive, she says. Personally, it would have been impossible to forgive without God's intervention. And then here's something else. The family repeatedly attempted to meet with the children's hospital that ignited the whole ordeal. The chief of staff finally agreed to arranging a meeting with himself and the physician who reported them with the family. They wanted to share their experience in the hopes that this never happened again to any other family. The chief of staff and the physician apologized in that meeting and said that they were so sorry. Georgiana says, when we were leaving the office, I hugged the doctor who had reported us. She says, trust me, I did not feel like showing love to that person, but God did. And she says, that was the most powerful healing and reconciliation I have ever experienced. God changed me in that moment more than he had changed me throughout the entire tribulation. And to this day... Georgiana and Ted praise God for his faithfulness to their family. You know, the sentence that stood out to me there, I did not feel like showing love to that person because we can all resonate with that. I am sure Joseph could say the same thing regarding his brothers who had so greatly mistreated him. I did not feel like showing love to that person, but God did. This is the heart of God For sinners like us and because God has so freely forgiven us in Christ, guess what we're called to be? A people who freely forgive one another by the power of his grace mightily at work within us. May God empower us as his people to that end, to be that kind of community, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven us for the glory of his name. Amen.